chapter 5 this morning. Last week, Pastor Wayne Voss preached a wonderful and dynamic message. I'm thankful for him and the ministry there in Greenwood, our friendship, the ties we have in the great ministry of the gospel. There are those who are called today, and if they are, they're set apart unto the gospel. Never forget that. If they're called by God into the ministry, and I'm talking about to stand in a pulpit, they were separated unto the gospel. If they are not, then they're either called and not aware of what God is wanting to do in their lives or they're not called at all. But today, I'll continue what I started on a Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago titled, Faithful Jesus. Jesus is faithful. He was faithful in all points, tempted in all points, but remaining faithful without sin. And the only way that you and I can be faithful before God is if we're drawing from His faithfulness. There is no way to be faithful to God unless Jesus and His faithfulness is involved in our lives. There is no such thing as faithfulness for you and me if Jesus is not involved. We cannot do anything without Him. We cannot be faithful without Him. With Him does not mean I say His name. With Him means that I'm found in union with Him. That's done by my faith in what brought me into union with Him, His death. That's what allows God to see me with Him. That's what allows God's will to be carried out in my life with Him. That without Him, God's will can't take place. Not even any moment. Every moment that I experience God's will, I'm experiencing Christ or I'm not experiencing God's will because I can do absolutely nothing without Him. That is the equivalent to what the Apostle Paul taught in his own experience when he said, in my weakness, His strength is made perfect. That ties together with what Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. You are weak and without any strength without me. But with me, you are still weak, but there in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. We can do nothing without Jesus. And let me say it one more time before we dig in this morning. With him does not mean that I just say his name. With him means I'm in union with him. And that only takes place by my faith being in what brought me into union with Him. That one thing that made me one with Him, which was His death. Nothing else. That's the open door that God reached through to find a heart believing and pulled me into that death. Amen. So we're going to talk about faithful Jesus again this morning. Faithful Jesus again this morning. 
1 John chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to talk a little bit about faith again this morning because we're talking about faithful Jesus. Whosoever believes, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, that means the anointed one, the Messiah sent from heaven, that's what it means is born of God. If you believe this morning that Jesus is the Christ, the one God sent as the Savior, the anointed one, to save us from our sins, you're born again. If you add to that to be born again, you cannot be born again. Because to add to that is a heart telling God that's not enough. Let me remind you as we sang it this morning, his blood is more than enough. Do you realize it's only in his blood that you can hear him? It's only in his blood that you can be with him. It's only in his blood that you can experience anything that's called new covenant. Because it's only in his blood. When God poured out the blood of his son on Calvary's cross, he poured out all that he is. He is our life. Life poured out. The life is in the blood. All that God is was poured out through that blood. It's more than enough. We sang it this morning. His blood is our refuge. His blood is our hiding place. His blood is the avenue through which we hear God or we're just reading words. His new covenant is only in the blood and he's not doing anything outside of his new covenant. Nothing. Everything he does is in and by the new covenant, which his son, giving his life on the cross for, opened the door to the new covenant. The new covenant is the new and living way that Jesus provided, the Bible says, in his flesh on the cross. In his flesh, not what we go and do and call new covenant, what he did on the cross. So whoever believes that Jesus is that Christ is born of God. And everyone that loves him, that beget, loves him also that is begotten of him. Now, let's say that in Northeast Texas English. Everyone that's born again by him loves others who are born again by him. That's what this is saying. Now watch carefully. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God. See, I, the Lord's showing me lately, it's not those who run around talking about God loves us so much as it is those who are experiencing 
and expressing <coughs> God, them, their love for God. We said it, we talked a little bit for a moment Wednesday night about it. Old and New Testament scripture says, Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man those things that God has prepared for those who love him. Though, yes, and it requires you knowing God loves you to experience your expression of God's love for you in obedience to him. And we'll see that is the requirement here, and Jesus taught it as well. But it's those who love God. It's those who, not those who say they love God, those who love God with the expression and experience of obedience. Everybody okay this morning? People running around today saying, well, it don't matter, God loves me. Let me tell you something, love is who God is. And if you want to express who God is, you have to express Him through His love. But you can only do that through your obedience to Him. That's what Jesus taught. Amen. Somebody said, hold on just a minute. Amen. I don't need any help. I, I'm good all by myself. Amen. You're not going to express his love by feelings and emotions. You're going to express his love through obedience. Remember, to express and to be for God's love to be poured out through the cross of Christ, he had to humble himself and become obedient unto death. That's the expression, manifestation, offering of, and impartation of the love of God there and there alone. There and there alone. I've said it for years. God's love's not floating around just anywhere to partake of it. God so loved that is past tense. Amen. I like it when he quotes the word. God so loved the world that he gave us past tense. And it's not, it's not, not to say that God doesn't love you, but God chose a point to pour that love out to you. Somebody say amen. Somebody say I love. Brother Curtis, amen. Let's keep moving. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and when we love God, we keep his commandments. Hmm. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Do you see that's written twice? Keeping his commandments is important. It's also important to know that just because we are told that we can't keep his commandments, and we know because when we try, we fail, we can keep our faith in the one who perfectly kept the commandment especially the most important commandment that he had, which was to come and lay his life down and to take it up again. 
But that doesn't, listen, if I'm saying my faith is in Jesus and what he did and his obedience is my obedience, but then I'm not walking in obedience to the word, then my faith is really not in the obedience of Christ. True faith from the heart, believing that Jesus fully obeyed his Father, laid his life down for the forgiveness of my sins, and raised it up again by the glory of his Father on the third day. If that is where my heart is trusting, I am walking in the light of the written word of God. If I'm not, then I'm not really believing from the heart. I can say I believe. I can say I love God. I can say I love the church and the people of God. And I don't have to do anything because Jesus did it all. That's No, that's true when it comes to being saved. But you were saved into good works. And there ain't no good works without walking in the truth of the written word. Amen. There's a lot of fake love, and I got to say this along the way. There's a lot of, when, when the cross get, becomes the focus and people begin to drop out of their determination to know nothing other, what they soon you'll find them running to and gravitating to is just the phrase, we're supposed to just be loving everybody. But let me, let me remind you before we go on this morning that if you're going to love God, you got to do what God says. Amen. And there's a story in the, the book of Genesis where uh, Abraham was uh, 99 and he was, that's old, you know. Well, he lived another, what, 51 years after that. But anyway, he was 99. He didn't give uh, birth to Isaac until he was 100, but a few years earlier, his wife, they were so desperate because they knew they were the lineage of the promise. They were so desperate. It wasn't Abraham lusting after a bondmaid. It was his own wife who said, take my bond slave into the tent. We got to have an heir. And I'm barren, so it's not going to be me, obviously. And take the handmaid, the Hagar, into the tent and let her bring forth a child and it be ours and it'll be this. And they just got in the flesh and did what they did. How many of you know that even though they did that and the, 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 the heir and the promised child was not Ishmael, God did show up and and caused Sarah to laugh about the promise because of her old age. And, and she eventually did bring forth the promised child. But when Isaac was born, well, the bondmaid, the, the woman Hagar and her son, began to mock Isaac, make fun and pick at the, the, ch the child that came through the flesh, began to pick at and pester and criticize and make fun of the child that came through the promise. Do you know this morning that Abraham loved Ishmael? Abraham loved Ishmael, but he had to cast him out, him and his mama. See, it wasn't about love for people. It was about love, the love of God and the promise. We can't let the gospel go for this love stuff today. We are 
called to love. And we do have God's love shed abroad in our heart. And we are called to love God. And if we are born again, we love others who are born again. But we got to be careful about this love stuff that is an excuse not to be determined, not to stand our ground in this great grace and faith that the Lord brought us back to after years of wandering. Because this other love that's being purported is what opens the pulpit to the homosexuals. It's, it's, it's what opened doors to things in the name of love that's not of God. And we're watching, we're watching people who've been Christians for years and their children ending up in horrible situations. People that I've even had the opportunity to talk to in my office uh, in, in inquiring about this. But they opted out of it. They opted out of it and they went another way. And they're facing the horrors of their rejection of being determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified and their families are paying for it. And the devil's telling them everything, not him but them by the multitude, that it's the reasons. This is the reasons you're going through this. But the reason is they rejected the focus and the exclusive boast in the cross. Because outside of that, let me tell you something, honey. The devil's coming for your kids and you ain't got no power to stop him if your faith is not exclusively in the blood of Jesus. And if it is, that's what you're going to sing about. If it is, that's what you're going to want to hear the preacher pointing you to in the Word of God. You're going to know, as Andrew quoted and Pastor Wayne last week quoted, that when Jesus comes, he's going to be wearing a vesture dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God, meaning on that day the whole world's going to know that when the book called the Bible is opened, it's pouring out the blood of Jesus. Or we're holding it in a wrong context. We're mishandling it. By this we know, verse 2, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Do you see what the devil has been able to do in the church for years? How many Christians have you heard and maybe we even ourselves in the past have made statements like this. It's hard to be a Christian. The Bible says if that's your testimony, you don't love God. Now, this is why most of the church doesn't want to be around sound doctrine, doesn't want to be around somebody just sharing the straight word of God because it brings conviction. The Bible here says this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. That means His commandments are not a burden to me. What's a burden is the lost world and my inadequacies that make me rely on Jesus and what He did at Calvary. Hmm. Verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God... Who, who is, now wait a minute, we've already read who it is that's born of God. Let's look at verse 1 again. 
Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, that means the Messiah, the Savior, the sacrifice. That's who's born again. Now let's look in verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you born again? That means you've overcome the world. You might ask, well, why does it feel like the pressures of the world are just crushing me? Why is everything in this world just crushing me? And it's because you don't know how saved you are. And it's, it, listen, if we're, if we're just going around as victims, if, if we're just living under the pressure and the weight of this old world instead of uh, experiencing more and more the victory that we've received through this Christ who died for us, listen, it's because either there's only two reasons. We're not interested because we backslidden or we just don't know what we possess. Most of the church doesn't know what they possess. And there is a lot of backslidden Christians. They're just not interested. I hate to admit it, but I know what I'm talking about. More interested in my business, in what I'm doing, what I got going on, my kids, my family. It's far more important to me than me being a Christian in public. That's where most of the church is today. Listen, God's not called anything in your life to be more important than Jesus and God's will through Jesus to be going on in your life. Nothing. Nothing. And when we exalt, when Jesus said, if you put anything before me, you can't be my disciple. That's what Jesus done. A lot of people don't really know Jesus. They got one made up that lets them do anything they want to, and there's no conviction because, you know, they just hear somebody on the radio saying, well, Jesus, he'll just take you by the hand and walk you right through it, and we, we, we just, uh, we, it ain't really us. It's the devil in our flesh paint these pictures up of what that might look like, <laughs> me and my sweet Jesus, hallelujah. He's just walking me through everything. And let me tell you something. If you don't know him walking you through everything means that he's delivering you over to where his son died for you to be able first of all to take you by the hand to guide you through everything then that's just sweet little fleshly emotions you got to have a love of the truth because we can all paint up a different picture of what it means anything means this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatsoever is born of God, listen, let's say it right, verse 4, because, why are his commandments not burdensome? Because whatsoever is born of God's overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Here comes your part. Here comes your part, our faith. The Bible calls it your faith because your heart yielded to what Jesus did by grace through faith. Remember, you ain't got nothing without him. You can't do nothing without him. But you get to do all things through him. That's God's will. Think about it. Let's read that again. Are you born again this morning? Are you born again? 
If you're born again, that means you believe Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the only one that came from heaven as the last Adam to lay his life down, to pour his blood out, to wash away sins for you. And when you believe that, you're born again. And whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. The moment you were born again, you in Christ overcame the world. You see, it's about learning who you are as an overcomer in him. You have to learn this. You see other people living in victory, and you wonder, why can't I? That's a dumb question. You can There's no Christian that has anything that another Christian doesn't have unless it's the one thing we all need, and that's an increased knowledge of what we do possess. But we all have been given all things in Christ Jesus, seated with him in heavenly places. We have all been given the victory. Let me say this to you today. Faith is the same thing as victory. If, you don't, if you're not expressing the faith you've been given, then you can't live in the victory you've been given. When you were born again, you were given the victory that belonged to Christ and what he did by grace through faith, and all that he was became your treasure. The grace he tasted death by became the grace that saved you through faith. Mm. Let's read it again. For whatsoever is born of God, everybody say, that's me, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Even our faith. That's powerful, isn't it? Verse 5, who is he that overcomes the world? but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. See, he's pre- the Holy Spirit is pressing the point here. To be born again, you've got to believe Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, sent by God from heaven, to sa- the only one that can. If you believe in him and somebody else, you're not believing in the Jesus of the Bible. To believe in Jesus and is a heart telling God, I ain't fully trusting that Jesus. There are people in the world that say, well, I believe in Jesus and I believe in Buddha also. I believe, I believe in a little bit of everything just to make sure I'm right. So whoever, whatever's right, I'll be. That, that, then people ain't going to make heaven. Those people are not going to make heaven. But first we see that in verse 1 about whoever believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Then we see it again. Whoever, what we see again, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes Jesus is the Son of God. You have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Not the Son of Joseph. 
He's only, the only reason he's the son of Joseph and Mary was because he's not even really the son of Joseph. He's the son of Mary because God put his seed, the seed who is Christ, into the womb of Mary. Jesus is the son of God that came from heaven. A lot of people believe a lot of spooky stuff, but if you don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, the only begotten of God, you can't go to heaven. He's not just another man. If he didn't come from heaven, he can't save us because there was nobody on earth that was without sin that could save us. Jesus had to come from heaven as the Christ, as the Son of God from heaven to save us. You say, well, I already know this. Well, a lot of people don't. And they're confused and they're hearing this and then they're hearing that. A lot of people will hear this and then they'll go and listen to other things and believe it too. This is where the word determined comes in. I'm determined not to listen to anything with the word salvation outside of Jesus Christ, the the Christ, the Son of God, who came from heaven to save us through the shedding of his blood at Calvary. It's not that and, it's that period. The blood is enough. Amen. The life is in the blood. Amen. Amen. So why do Christians not live in the victory Christ paid for and that God, God's will desires? You know that you're, if you're being led by the Spirit, the Bible says you're being led, but thanks be to God who always leads us in victory, in triumph, in Christ. If God is leading you, the world is not crushing you. Many people, God's not leading. They listen to a few songs on the radio and get bubbly and bobbly, but it hadn't dealt with anything. If things are being dealt with, they're being dealt with by the Spirit of God in the hearts of the people who are trusting in the Son of God and what he did on Calvary's cross as the Lamb of God. Outside of that, he's not involved unless he's pointing you through others to where you have to be to be born again or if you've wondered from this great truth where you have to be for him to continue what he started doesn't just do it that's the new age church today and I've said this but let me make sure you hear it one more time if we're not living and I'm not talking about sinless perfection we all got issues we all got problems but I'm talking about my problems and my issues don't keep me from growing they don't keep and when I'm growing Everybody that knows me knows I'm growing. It ain't just somebody thinking, well, I'm growing. Hallelujah. No, no, no. When you're growing, honey, your husband's going to see you growing. He might even get mad about it. Same for you, mister. When your wife is being led by the Spirit and growing, there might be a time you get angry about it because you're not willing to go along with him you call it her but it ain't her it's him and if we're not living in this victory it's because 
we're choosing to love this world and our lives in it more than what we possess or we don't know what we possess. That's why when... See, not all Christians are looking to live this victorious life. A lot of books written, a lot of Christians think they are, but then and, and they get these books and they books telling them what to do and they start doing it and there ain't no victory coming. They still end up in divorce. They, their kids still twice the child of hell they thought they ever were. They, nothing's changed. They reading these books, but they ain't nothing changing. They just going to church, putting on a good smiley show, but when they get back home, there ain't nothing going on that's being led of the Spirit. I'm telling you. But God finds the Christian who wants to live for him, wants to please him, reads scriptures like this. This tells me I'm supposed to be living obedient to God if I love God. And conviction sets in, not just ain't, you know, people said as Christians, ain't nobody perfect. We're not, we not going to be like him till we get to heaven, son. Ain't nobody perfect. You just wait till you get to be made. You won't have any patience. And all this stuff that Christians who are on the strings of like a puppet of the enemy are declaring all these things that are unscriptural. Listen, God will find a few that want to serve him. God will find a few that says, I want what's real and I want to serve you, and I want to please you, and I know I can't do it outside of what's written, outside of faith. And and listen, you don't even have to know how the cross relates to your moment-by-moment living, but if you fear the Lord and you have from your heart a desire not to put on a show in front of a preacher or people to get a position, but you have from your heart a desire to serve God, God sees that desire, He sees that fear, and He begins to rearrange your focus and he begins to put your eyes on the word of the truth of the gospel, the cross, and you begin to see, and you might at first kick away from it because everybody around you don't like that. But he begins to show you that the more you're looking at that, the more you're trusting in that, the more he's able to change you, and things are changing in your house and on your job because things are changing in you. God finds those. It's the knock on the door. If you'll just open it, I'll come back in and fellowship with you. If, if you'll hear the voice of the Lord, you, you won't keep thinking that you're strong and wise, but you'll come back to the place where you're weak and you need my strength. Mm. Victory and faith, they're the same thing. If you're living by faith, the world ain't crushing you. The faith crushes the world. The faith crushes the world. And and, And listen, the faith of Christ, your faith in him and what he did at Calvary, listen, that crucifixion, in that crucifixion, you were crucified from the world and all its crushing forces. It's a hiding place. You have to learn about the power of God. The church in a big segment wants to get together and put on a show of what they think the power of God looks like. But all you have to do is look to Calvary and you'll see what the power of God looks like. If you want to learn about the power of God and experience the power of God, you've got to learn to live by faith because it won't come through any other avenue. Mm. Victory and faith are the same thing. 
Because of the faithfulness of Jesus, we can be faithful through faith in Him. I'm going to read that again. You might need to write it down. Because of the faithfulness of Jesus. We're not talking about just us being faithful. Because of the faithfulness of Jesus, we can be faithful through Him in Him. It's the only place we can be found faithful before God is in Christ, experiencing what it means to be in Christ, walking in Him. We're in Him and seated with Him in our position, but God expects our condition to begin to reflect our position. One more scripture today, if you don't mind. And everybody said, I don't mind, Brother Curtis. (laughs) I'm trying to. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. I'm good. Everybody good? You you have the victory. The problem in the church is we looking for something we already got. Oh, if I only had victory, you do. I don't care if you're smoking two packs of Marlboro Strongs or whatever they call them a day. You got if you if you save, you got the victory. I don't care if you've fallen prey back to a filth of what they call Mad Dog 2020. If you're Christian, you've got the victory. You just need to learn how to live in that victory. We as a church, we look, boy, I wish they had victory. And we do pray that God would show them the victory they already have over that thing. It's all you already. If you've got faith, you've got the victory. Your faith is your victory, the Bible says. And when we're not experiencing victory over things that are crushing us and stealing life from us, it's because something's wrong with our faith. Name but one thing could be wrong with it. And that's it ain't in the right object. Because when your faith is in Jesus, the Bible says he has all power in heaven and on earth. And he don't want anything entangling you up. Amen. Now I'm preaching better than your amen. And I don't want you sitting out there feeling condemned. But I do want you to be convicted, and I pray the Holy Spirit convict us all this morning that victory is already ours. It's already paid for. It's already bought. We've already stepped into it. Hmm. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3. Y'all already read it. Well, forget it. Let's go home. We are bound to thank God always, Paul says to this church here in Thessalonica, as it is necessary... Because that your faith grows exceedingly. Hmm. Your faith grows exceedingly. And the charity, the love of every one of you all toward each other is abounding. Now the Bible here says that your faith grows exceedingly. Now you're going to have to understand here You've been dealt by God the measure of faith. That's all you need. Jesus said if you had faith size grain of mustard seed, 
you could do the same thing to that fig tree that I did to that one. And you could move a mountain and tell it to be cast in the sea and it would be cast in the sea. Now, he's not talking about big high mountains, Pikes Peak. He's talking those mountains that stand in the way of God's will being carried out in your life. So when we see here, we're bound to thank God always for you, brothers, as it is, as it is beneficial because that your faith grows exceedingly. Paul is talking about the faith growing them. Because all you need is a small amount of faith for the will of God to be carried out. And we are either weak in the faith or we are strong and getting stronger, maturing in the faith. But if you're saved, you're in the faith. That's what the Bible teaches. But this scripture says because that your faith grows, and this is referring to your faith growing you. Because the effect it's having is you loving folk now like you didn't before. See, this is, if you don't know this, faith works by love and the fruit of it is love. Faith only works by love, Galatians 5 and 6, isn't that right? And the fruit of faith at work, which is fueled by love, the fruit of that is love, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit, Spirit of faith. The fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of faith. So if you keep your eyes on Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And you're supposed to. The Bible teaches us that in the New Testament, does it not? Don't let some preacher come along and say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. We need to move on from the cross. No. No. When you hear that, you know you don't need to give them no more your ear time. God had his son slain as the lamb before the foundation of the world. And then manifest himself to become that slain lamb in the person of his son on the cross. And then from that point, he says, from now on I'm going to show the glory of my grace in my saints throughout all the ages. The glory of that grace that was provided at Calvary. So if we're going to grow, it's going to be because we're growing in the faith. You got to have faith to grow. You got to have faith. You say, Well, I got these things in my life that they shouldn't be there. You've already got everything you need. You're not going, you listen, the cross is your answer. There's where Jesus paid the price to deliver you from anything that tries to grab a hold of you. There's where Jesus paid the price to deliver you right now from things that have a hold of you. You see, it's deliverance from the power of the cross is deliverance from and the avoidance of. Used to things just get us because we didn't know. We wake up years down the road and say, how's this happened to me? Because we didn't know. 
Now we know. Now we're no longer ignorant of the devil's schemes and his devices. Now we are learning that we have victory. We're not looking for it. We have it. If I put a dollar in your hand and you're still looking for the dollar I gave you, you're blind or ignorant or rebellious. If your faith is in Jesus and what he did at Calvary, you are born again and those who are whatsoever is born of God has overcome the world. Doesn't say will, says has. You go to bed at night. You might have some issues, but you need to thank God for the blood that was shed because tomorrow is going to be a better day. Why is tomorrow going to be a better day? Not just because you find yourself in it, but because you're learning more about what Jesus provided for you only at Calvary. That's where your heart has to be touching to experience who you are in him, who he is in you, what you have in possession of now, which is this faith. Let's read it one more time. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you born of God? Then you've already overcome the world through Christ. Watch now. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I've said it before pretty recently that when Jesus would heal somebody and tell them, go your way, your faith has made you whole. If you're not careful, you'll misunderstand that. And you'll, and you'll start mishandling are wrongly defining faith. The, the only reason Jesus could say, go your way, your faith has made you whole, is because they came to him for what he could do by faith and what he was hearing his father tell him to do. Remember, you have nothing without him. And just like Jesus said, I can do nothing lest I hear my father say it or do it, you and I can do nothing without Jesus. And that literally means without faith in his sacrifice. If the church was determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified, the true church would not allow anything in the pulpit than the focus of the Lamb. Now today, and I've said it, but we're hard-pressed to find a church that believes in the baptism with the Holy Spirit and all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're hard-pressed to find that, and with that, the focus of Calvary's Lamb, the message of the cross, the determination to know nothing. Or... You'll find something that all they want to do is talk about justification for all their life and they reject the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and they do because they, they say we don't believe in tongues. We don't believe it. We don't believe the Bible says forbid not tongues. So you've got this group, you've got that group and that's why those who are full of the Holy Spirit preaching the message that the Holy Spirit fills you to preach 
which is the message of the cross, believing in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, always pointing people to Calvary instead of Pentecost. You're hard-pressed to find a gathering like that. And that's why these gatherings will always be few in number. Let me say something to those of you who have churches and you're watching this at some time and your numbers are very small. There's one reason you ought to be glad of that because you're, you're going to have to give an account to, for those souls at the judgment seat of Christ. And also, it's better to have five people who are in agreement than 105 that ain't. It's better to have three people that are determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified than 10 million who are just in every direction. Hmm. Faithful Jesus. That's why we can be faithful. Faithful Jesus. That's why we have the victory. Faithful Jesus. That's why we have faith. Because Jesus was faithful. Everybody say, faithful Jesus. Everybody say, my Jesus. Everybody say, I love Jesus. Jesus is what we're all about. He holds all power in heaven and on earth. And that power only flows from that blood he shed. This faith that we have, the Bible here, tells us is our victory. It is the spirit of faith that believes and speaks. It don't speak to produce. It speaks from what has been produced. I wish I had another hour. The Spirit. You want to study this on your own when you get home after you had your baloney this afternoon? Take what the Lord was able to give you into your understanding today and, and look with these things over into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, and 13. Because you've heard us say, and we're not going to stop now, this is a scripture that when the Lord finally gets you to it, that's where you'll be. No matter what else scriptures come, it will always be a part now of what's going on in your heart. God always delivers you who are alive unto death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus can be expressed in these mortal bodies in which we live. So then, God is working death in us but life in you. Verse 13 this is that same spirit of faith. If it ain't in that context, it ain't the right spirit and it ain't the right faith. But if it's the right spirit, it's the right faith and the right faith is overcoming faith. We've said it for many years now. When faith comes, faith overcomes. When faith comes, Faith overcomes. And how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of the truth of the gospel. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?